And now your host. Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of Cindy's Political Corner. I am your host, Cindy Gross, and I'm very proud to say that this is the first of many political corners. We are going to be featuring many local candidates because 2021 is the year of local elections. This is something that is very close to my heart, and I will tell you why. People think that if they vote every four years for president, that their voice is heard. Well, people are very frustrated and angry with a lot of things going on in this country and are blaming both parties. So I tell them the best thing that they can do is get involved in local elections. I will tell you why. Local elected officials are the ones who really decide budgets for your infrastructure. They're the ones who help with local security and education. They're the ones who work together with health officials, whether or not it's for vaccines, whether or not it's updates for flu shots, whether or not it's warnings of drugs, and helping with hospitals and clinics locally. Your local elected officials work with sanitation. You want clean roads, clean streets, snow plow. So those are just a few of the reasons why you should get involved locally. Another great reason, local elected officials tend to run for higher office if they are successful at a local level. Another great reason to get involved in local elections Candidates are very easy to connect with. They want to hear from you. They want to meet you. And they will actually listen to you, at least most of the time. And that is key. While you might have a problem meeting with some of the national elected officials, I bet you won't have a problem meeting a local state senator, assemblyman, councilman, a local mayor, even a committee member. And that friendship with a local elected official might get you a position working within a party. Those are just a few of the reasons to get involved. I'm sure there are many more, and you're going to hear from our candidates throughout the series why to get involved in local races. Local races are taking place all across the country. But that doesn't mean you can't learn from a local official running who's discussing their elections from this station in your races. Because what's simply going on in local elections in New York probably are going on in Kansas, in Oklahoma, in Florida, in California. Because most states and local governments run the same way, and most of them have similar responsibilities. I am very proud to announce that this show is being aired on two tri-state area AM stations, 620 and 1640, one FM station, 93.5 FM, 
and it can be downloaded internationally anytime, anywhere through iHeartRadio, iTunes, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Podbean, and various other outlets. And it's always very easy to find if you Google it. I am very proud to highlight local candidates because many of them do not have access to the media coverage they deserve, they merit, and many of them don't have the budgets to fund for big station commercials. So this might be one of the few outlets that they will be able to speak to you without a debate, but in casual conversation, answering your questions. You won't get to know them only on a professional level, but on a personal one as well, as they open up about family, their interest, and their common ties to you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the next hour of conversation. This show is going to be brought to you with few commercial interruptions. So let's get into Cindy's Political Corner after the following message. Okay. Hey, everyone. This is Sean Kanan, and I'm hanging out with Cindy Gross on Cindy's Celebrity Corner at 620 a.m. If you're not watching, then your karate's a joke. Here is your host. Joining us now is Aaron Aton Mayer, and he is running in the 4th District for a town legislator in Long Island. And as we discussed in my introduction, 2021 is a year of local elections, and we're learning from everywhere across the country the importance of local elections, and really none is more important than on Long Island, where there is so much going on and people are looking at the representation on a national level. So, Aaron, thank you for joining Cindy's Political Corner. And I'm very happy that you're one of our, um, you you picked us as one of your uh, first places to introduce yourself to people via radio and to get your name out there. So we're very excited that you chose us. So thank you. Tell us a little bit about you. Uh, my least favorite topic, but thank you very much for having me. Uh, well, let's see. Um, I grew up in Rockland County in Muncie, uh, Wesley Hills, and uh, moved out to Long Island for law school. I went to, to Toro Law School and uh, moved to Oceanside about 10 years ago uh, when I met my wife. And, uh, you know, depending on what you want to know, I, I do a fair number of things. I, I get paid to be a lawyer. Um, I'm a researcher, an analyst, a public speaker, an author, uh, all these other things, but I, I feel uh, uh, obnoxious just saying them. Um, but really, you know, I'm somebody who's always believed very strongly um, about government and about, uh, you know, how, how we live and how we should be living. And I've always been very keenly um, interested in governance itself, uh, both on the local level and uh, pretty much every other level from there. So we have to ask you, what made you decide to run for office and why this political uh, position? 
Ah, well, uh, the, the flippant answer is, well, they ask me. Uh, for much of my life, whenever a political party would come asking, I would say something to the effect of, I'm sure somebody else wants it more than me. Uh, that's still true. I'm sure a lot of people want it more than me. But I pay very close attention to local politics. And I have been very disappointed in what I've been seeing. I don't like seeing every vote go seven nothing with no real uh, conversation. You know, there, there's occasionally a bit of a dog and pony show, uh, but there's no real dialogue. There's no real discussion. And if you read the town resolutions, you don't get any insight into what's going on. So when you say they asked you to run, who asked you to run? And when you say seven nothing, what does that mean? Certainly. Well, the, the Democratic Party asked me to run. Uh, and when I say seven nothing, I mean the Hempstead Town Board has a supervisor and six councilmen and, and women. And so every vote, uh, the seven of them vote. And it is very much in lockstep. And I, I have a problem with that philosophically and practically as well. So it's actually seven zero Republican and Democrat. It's not all Republican on there. Uh, the only uh, Democrat on the board is Dorothy Goosby. Um, so basically, if it wasn't 7-0, it would be 6-1. That's not much of a change. And you are a registered Republican. I am indeed, uh, which just adds to, um, well, let me backtrack. Uh, the other line that I'm on is also very important. It's called the Common Sense Party. And I think that really sums it up because, you know, our slate is four people. None of us are political. None of us are, are politicians, certainly. Um, and we may disagree about certain things philosophically, but we all believe very firmly that our local government needs to represent the people. It needs to be accountable to the people and it needs to be transparent. Uh, and I don't, I don't think ultimately that's a matter of political party. It really is or should be common sense. Well, when I started in politics, we had two senators in New York, Moynihan and D'Amato. And bipartisanship was respected and people loved New York. Right now, New York is a mess and not just the five boroughs. I mean, when people think of New York, uh, they think of the mayor's race and they don't understand that there are races throughout the state, which is why I am really happy to have you and Jason on tonight to discuss how people have to get involved in their local races Tell us, you said you're from Muncie, so when people think of Muncie, they think of Orthodox Jews, especially since the Netflix documentary is on. Tell us your background. Yeah, well, um, you know, my parents uh, are modern Orthodox, uh, which is, of course, how I, how I grew up. Uh, I went to uh, Ashar for grade school. I went to Westchester Hebrew High School for high school. Um, and, you know, even within Muncie, uh, you know, my father likes to shul hop. Um, he'll still wear his blue shirt, but he'll go to, uh, you know, every, every shul of every obscure Hasidic sect you can find. Um, you know, but Muncie is, is very much its own place. And, you know, when we moved there in, in 1982, it was very different. Um, and I was there for a lot of the change, because uh, I didn't come out to Long Island, really, until uh, 2004. Uh, but it was, it was a different world. So when you say uh, you came here from Muncie and you've been active, you, you went through a resume of five or six different positions. Tell us your positions along the lines of the Jewish communities, because your district encompasses many little communities that are religious and that are Jewish. Well, uh, as, as much as I, I don't 
publicize myself. I, I really, uh, you can tell, uncomfortable with it on a, on a very personal level. Uh, I've been involved in Jewish causes my entire life. Um, you know, starting when I was uh, I was an early admin at Rockland Community College, uh, I was the first president of Hillel, uh, which we got while I was there. Uh, when I went to uh, Toro, I was president of the Jewish Law Students Association. I was on the Jewish Programs Committee. Uh, after that, I worked for the Middle East Forum. Uh, and I've been involved uh, basically my entire career um, in fighting the BDS movement, uh, a number of pro-Israel uh, activities, um, including I did some work on the Jerusalem passport cases. I've written uh, pretty widely, uh, both on, on history and legal aspects, and um, I could keep going. I, I just I don't like to. So you have a lot of relationships within the uh, district with the Jewish community. I would like to think so. And what about the non-Jewish community? Because our district has in it so many uh, different groups that you have to serve and also have to work with together, which is something that, you know, we hear in the news how we are not working together. So we could actually be a great example for the country. Absolutely. And, and that's that's actually something that I, I started doing when I was at, uh, at Rockland Community College, believe it or not. Um, you know, I was in this, uh, this, you know, non-homogenous milieu. And what I did was I made it a point to meet as many people from different backgrounds as I could. Um, you know, I was the only Jewish guy on the college basketball team. I can tell you that much. Uh, that doesn't really surprise people. Um, you know, but I was a member of different organizations, the Power Movement Club, which was a coalition of minority students in particular. And I've pretty much tried to carry that on uh, in the course of my life because, the worst thing that you can have is an echo chamber. What would you say are the top three issues you are going to campaign on and address once, if you are elected, once you are elected? Well, I don't want to seem Oceanside centric, but for 10 years, um, I have seen Oceanside being taken for granted. So uh, with the understanding that, of course, I'm learning about some of the other areas in my district and, and um, you know, we'll represent them every bit as much. Within Oceanside, what do we have? We have development that's being um, constructed without any reference to local needs, wants, or infrastructure. We have a park that's been allowed to decay. We have roads that are not treated. Um, you know, we have empty storefronts left and right because as an unincorporated hamlet, the town doesn't have to care what Oceanside thinks as a community. And as a community, we're, we're a diverse community and increasingly so. None of that is reflected in how the town has acted towards Oceanside. All of those things and more uh, are the reasons that I'm running and they are the problems that I'm looking to solve. What do you say to your opponents who say that you simply can't win your uh, the person currently in that seat is a very popular Republican and somebody who is tied to law enforcement and uh, actually supports, you know, the police and uh, other branches of security and safety? Well, I, I certainly support the police uh, every bit as much as anyone else, uh, probably more so than many. Um, and of course, if you want to talk about security, uh, you know, I have a background in open source intelligence. I've worked with uh, the terror finance community uh, and continue to do some consulting on the side in those areas. 
Uh, and I also spent a fair amount of my time uh, and still do dealing, uh, fighting Iran, which of course is the source of much terrorism in the world. So if we're talking about security, um, yeah, I think my, my personal record is pretty good there. In terms of popularity, well, there's popularity. The popularity of my opponent can't be overstated. It's, it's a fact, um, and I, I don't shy away from that. But there's more to politics than being popular, and there's more to governance than being popular. The key is Oceansiders need to determine whether they want to matter because they haven't. So, yeah, you can easily go with the incumbent. Uh, we all know the statistics, 90-something uh, percent of the time an incumbent wins an election. But Oceanside has never been front and center before for any sort of town election. And there's certainly never been two candidates running for supervisor and for the district, both from Oceanside, not to mention the fact that we're both Jewish. So this is a different kind of race. And it, it's the sort of race where people have the opportunity to really stop and think about what they want from the town and what they want for their hamlet or their other unincorporated village, unincorporated village, whatever it is. They have this opportunity now, maybe maybe for the first time. So you, you mentioned you have two candidates from Oceanside, two are Jewish. How are you going to get the voter from Lindbergh who is not Jewish? Well, I, I don't think that it's necessarily a Jewish thing to want your government to be responsive to your needs and really to, to work full time to help you to help all of you. That's not a Jewish requirement. It's not a non-Jewish requirement. That's the basic uh, expectation of anybody in a democracy. So yeah, I would say that the person from Lindbrook, who also feels that certain funds haven't been expended there, maybe the roads aren't as great as they want to be. Maybe they also have construction that they're not thrilled with. Well, again, those are the same things that drive us here and will drive across many communities. Anything else you want to share? Well, you know, I, I keep talking about opportunity. You know, we're living in very unusual times. Uh, you know, you could say they always are, but we're really in an unprecedented situation. We have the opportunity, a real opportunity, for parts of the town and communities within the town that have been ignored for whatever reason to really come out in force and really say, well, I want somebody who's going to represent me and, and all of us, not because I know him, not because I know people who are important, but because he's going to listen to me. He's going to try to find out my concerns and try to work with him. That's what our whole slate is about. That's our bottom line. So I don't think people are really accustomed to having that choice. I think it's, it's rather unusual. Uh, and it might even sound, you know, pie in the sky. But that's what we're here. That's what we're here doing. And I think people will rise for that. So, Aaron, when I was doing research for this interview, I found your name coming up a lot in response to op-eds and letters to editors fighting for uh, the sick, uh, fighting actually against the sixth town and the seventh town and constant building without transparency. Tell us a little bit about that, because that really goes way beyond Oceanside. And it was something you are passionate about and you have been way before you were a candidate. Yeah, well, what, what really got me out of the shadows um, was a development that's being built at the intersection of Atlantic Avenue and uh, Ocean Avenue uh, right here in, in Oceanside, right by the train station. 
it used to be the home of a little two-story garden, you know, garden-style apartment complex that was destroyed in Sandy. And suddenly, we found out that the town had given pre preliminary approvals for a construction, this massive four-and-a-half-story behemoth of a creation with, you know, hundreds of apartments, extra traffic on an already burdened intersection. And that intersection is horrible already. And we were incensed. And so actually the, the Oceanside Civic Group was was formed to counteract that. And we did. And that's really when I was asked to, to start speaking publicly about it. And we went to the IDA. We, we explained that there were issues with the paperwork that had been ignored and we were still ignored. And sure enough, you know, it was still allowed to happen. And to me, that was that was something of a bright line because that was basically done under our noses, behind our backs, without any real input from anyone else. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm sure they can come back and claim that, well, the county was on board with it, too. Well, that's the blame game isn't a solution. The county is going to rely on the local government to explain. And if the local government doesn't need to consult the people that live there, and we used to live right around the corner, well, then what do you end up with? Do you end up with a four-and-a-half-story monstrosity that nobody in town needs, nobody in town wants, who benefits? A developer who doesn't live there, and town board members who don't care. That's the dynamic that, that brought me is, out. And this is going on throughout the district, and uh, it's a very important point, and I think that it sounds like your tagline is going to be Aaron Meyer, transparent. <laughs> Absolutely. Ask me a question. I will give the answer. And now we're going to get some answers from somebody else. Joining us now is Jason Abelov. And uh, Jason, I must admit, has been a friend of mine for many years. So when, nice I, <laughs> when I heard he was running, I was super excited because even though we are usually on opposite sides, it's very nice to see a friend. And you know what? Like I said, when I started, I like bipartisan talk. And I also like to have friends who are on the opposite side. Even if we don't agree politically, we could talk about so many other things. And Jason is always there with a smile, uh, offering help, and has always been a friend. So, Jason, welcome to Cindy's Political Corner. And first of all, introduce yourself and tell everybody what you were running for, because it's probably the most important position on the very local level. Thank you so much, Cindy. That was that was very warm welcome. I appreciate that. Um, again, my name is Jason Abelov. I'm running for the supervisor of the town of Hempstead. Um, I think a lot of people don't realize that the town of Hempstead is the largest township in all of America. And uh, the town of Hempstead by itself makes up the vast majority of Nassau County. Um, by way of introduction, uh, I've never been a politician. I've never ran for office before. Um, I've been a discrimination lawyer and uh, employment lawyer in Garden City for almost 30 years. And uh, based on some issues that you and I are going to talk about, I'm sure, uh, sitting on the sidelines just became, became a morally untenable position for me. I, I felt the need to, to stand up and, and, and try to solve the issues facing America's largest and greatest town. So I could tell you, knowing firsthand uh, that you are an attorney and that you look at things realistically 
whenever, I mean, anything that we've ever discussed with other cases, whatever, you look at things realistically. And you one thing about you I notice is that you weren't looking at whether or not you're a Republican or Democrat. You're looking to solve a problem, honestly. Uh, no, that that's correct. I try to I try to come up with the most pragmatic and practical solutions um, to help the community. And, and, you know, that's what I'm here for. What would you say your number one issue is? Because I have a feeling I know it, but I'd rather you tell everybody to verify it. Right. Well, certainly, you know, uh, transparency is a huge issue in in our town government and how the town kind of secrets its business is something that we're going to stop. Um, getting rid of uh, patronage um, and exercising fiscal restraint and responsibility, though, is, I think, the number one issue. Um, and, and I think there's plenty of money to do all the things we need to do in this town and deliver services in an equitable manner. We just have to make decisions about whether we're serving the people or whether we're serving those that support our own party and helping our friends. And I think the, the last big item we really need to be looking at is how we best serve our small businesses um, and our families in a post-COVID world. The doors are going to swing open in these schools and in our communities. And I don't think that our, especially our seniors and our children are going to come out of this totally unscathed. And we need to really be, be proactive and creative as to how to best assist them. So when you talk about uh, fiscal responsibility, the Republicans have been saying, and we see it on all levels, not just here, but that the Democrats are the party of spend, spend, spend. But based on what you just said, you're saying it's the Republicans that say spend, spend, spend. So tell us a little bit. Um, They don't say spend, 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 but they do spend, spend, spend. And, you know, I, I like to adopt this slogan of Missouri. I'm the show me state. And for instance, our town, due to some odd quirk in the law, got one hundred and thirty three million dollars in federal cares money. So the town of Hempstead got more cares money than the entire county of Nassau. And when you saw Nassau get cares money and New York State get cares money, they provided direct support to businesses that were being shuttered. That's what that money was for. And our town did the exact opposite. They basically gave millions of dollars in raises to their cronies and their political insiders. They put 43 to 44 million dollars into their own sanitation department. They upgraded their bottom line and our businesses were shuttering all over the town. And 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 they just our businesses just did not get the financial support that that money was supposed to be used for. And when I saw the the deadline for the town to spend the money was December 31st of last year. And right at the deadline, they kind of stuck a bunch of money in their bottom line and into administrative funds. And they gave raises and promotions to their political insiders. That's what made me run. That's why I'm here today. Again, it was just morally untenable for me to sit on the sidelines any longer who else got raises during the pandemic you know the other yeah (laughs) the other question i say is um uh not only who who else got raises during the promotion but the money that went into fixing town halls putting in touchless toilets spending 11 million dollars on a new hvac system i have nothing against 
an efficient and new HVAC system or touchless toilets. But town hall was virtually closed at the time and our storefronts were shuttering. And it's really about your priorities. Are you taking care of the people or are you taking care of your friends and political insiders? And, and I can tell you that once I'm elected, we're going to be taking care of the people. So I would be remiss to say that, uh, Basically, the county executive here, Laura Curran, really has been getting rave reviews for her work from both Republicans and Democrats during COVID. And uh, she really, there, you know, if I, I had to put money on this now, I would guess she would be reelected. And this is coming from a Republican. But uh it's common knowledge. It's been written up. I'm not saying something that people don't know. So basically you are like two and three on the ticket or, or basically the top five. And you guys are new to politics. Tell us how having such a strong number one is going to affect your races. And Jason what? go first and then Aaron. Yeah, the, the obviously the county executive, uh, Laura Curran, is tremendously helpful to us. Nassau County has the highest vaccination rate of any large county in the country. We've done an amazing job. We managed to get through where we've been voted by uh, U.S. News and World Reports as the safest community in America. And that's all under the county executive's leadership. And um, look, when when I sort of stepped up and said I wanted to do this, you know, the county executive herself is part of that screening. And um, and she made sure that, you know, she got people that were idea people. When you look at our town slate, every person that we're running for town government is not a professional politician. We're people with boots on the ground. We have spent the last 20 years providing service to our community. Our opponents have spent the last 20 years desperately clinging to power. That's the difference. And the county executive is behind us. The entire party machinery is behind us. And we're going to shock the world in November. What do you say to people that say that uh, taxes on and the assessments have been a problem and it's because of the Democrats? Um, I, I think that I really like to take the opportunity to educate people that say that because they're factually incorrect. The, the county assessment, first of all, when the reassessment was done, what an assessment is, is they value your home for tax purposes because everyone pays taxes based on the value of their home. The more valuable your home, the more you pay in taxes. And look, Laura Curran knew she was going to take a beating on this, decided to go through the investment, the, the reassessment anyway. And it should be noted that every single Republican that voted on it voted for the reassessment. The assessment was wrong. Something like 80% of the houses in Nassau County were assessed incorrectly. So what the county executive did was take a bold and daring choice. She didn't do the politically expedient thing and kick the can down the road. She fixed a broken system. And the assessments are, and I'm not saying no homeowner is going to win a tax grievance because you can't reassess hundreds of thousands of homes and do them all perfectly. But for the most part, the assessment is working a lot better. It is a lot more fair. There are fewer reassessments and it's gone very well. So the Republicans aren't being intellectually honest when they say, you know, Laura Curran and the Democrats did this. They all voted for it as well. Aaron, 
We discussed yeah. a little bit the popularity of your opponent and you being an unknown. But do you want to add to what Jason had to say? Certainly. I mean, the first thing is I'll, I'll underscore what he said about our county executive. I mean, Laura Curran, um, you know, impressed me to no end during uh, the pandemic. Uh, and I, you know, I, I was pretty critical of, of almost every elected official. Uh, and she, she impressed me to no end for that. And yes, for the assessment. Um, you know, again, it speaks to what is a leader supposed to be? What, and and I, you would hope that you want your elected officials to be leaders. You want them to be able to make the choice that is right, even if it's unpopular. She did it. Here, we don't have local government that's done it. They do the opposite. That's that's really your contrast right there. So one of our listeners uh, texted in and contacted me and had a question about safety, because right now this is a major issue across the country, and it's a major issue in the town of Hempstead. So, Jason, first, what is your plan about safety? Look, there's no more pressing issue than than safety in the community. I mean, at the town level, we don't we don't have our own police department. So there's no, you know, working with the police department. But I will say that the reforms that Laura Curran made in general in government are things for the county is what I want to bring to the town. Um, We're really the last bastion of patronage politics. And uh, again, we're going to be looking to drive that out. Aaron, what's your feeling on safety? Well, again, you know, Nassau County is the safest county um, in the state. And you can't you can't undersell that point. That didn't happen by accident. It happened because we have the Nassau County Police Department, which is phenomenal. And we have leadership from the county that has made it uh, feasible for that to happen. But it goes beyond that, too, because there's a lot more we can do. Uh, you know, Jason and I just last week uh, were in Hempstead. We were in, you know, a, a section that used to get this horrible reputation. And you know what? It's not like it was. So and there's a lot more that can be done with town involvement. And that's really what we want to do. Improve things for everybody. Uh, you know, nobody's saying defund the police from our platform. Uh, anything ridiculous like that. We're looking to build on what's already been happening. Well, I think we're also very lucky that we have an amazing police commissioner and Pat Ryder. I was recently at a breakfast where both he and Laura Curran were honored and they stand by side by side together, which is great. And um, so I think that's very important. Uh, the other question we just got woke uh, education and critical race theory and everything in the schools. How much are you going to be involved in it? We could start with Aaron and then Jason. Well, uh, you know, I, I don't want to sound like I'm punting it, but that sounds like, uh, you know, we have the state that will be involved and then we have the local school boards that are really going to be uh, involved. You know, I, I have looked into it, um, obviously, uh, you know, as an academic, uh, you know, any sort of teaching affects me and my, my children are in our local schools. My oldest is, uh, you know, going into second grade in Oceanside. Um, you know, he has a while before he reaches an age where that could be uh, an issue. Uh, to my knowledge, it hasn't really come up, uh, at least in our local areas. Uh, if and when it does, then it'll be time for a discussion. It'll be a time to discuss it with, you know, the other stakeholders, for lack of a better term. You know, the Board of Ed, um, the people who are there, you know, dealing with it rather than, you know, just us coming in and, um, you know, directing by fiat uh, any which way. Jason? Yeah, I, obviously, I think Aaron put it 
put it perfectly. Um, I will say that the most important thing you need to do is vote if you want to have a voice. If you're if you're for a certain issue in the schools or against a certain issue in the schools, you need to find out who on your school board is is with you and vote for that person. And um, I say that everywhere I campaign. If you think the other person has better ideas than me, I I I don't agree, but I'm going to respect your opinion and I will respect the fact that you vote for him. Um, and, and I think that carries through to these important school issues. And I think the, the more people get involved with their school boards and know what's going on, the better they can self-select what's taught in their children's schools. Would, I'd like to talk a little bit about how the town treated our schools during COVID, if I can. I was just going to ask you, because <laughs> I did a little research on that and I was shocked. So go ahead. Yeah. So so again, the town had got all of this federal money um, for CARES um, and they gave every school district in the town one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, regardless of size. So large school districts such as Lawrence got a very small amount of money per student where the smaller school districts like Island Park, which is where Anthony D'Esposito lives, they got the most amount of money per student. And again, when I see the inequity in how services are provided across this town, that's the best example. Um, Hempstead, Roosevelt, they were amongst the bottom, even Lawrence, even Oceanside, in terms of per student spending of CARES student money. Um, the other thing is the town had, under the, under the federal CARES law, was permitted and are supposed to give money to private schools, which includes our Hebrew schools and our yeshivas. No money went to private schools, such as Hebrew schools and yeshivas, but plenty of money went into fixing up town hall. And the heroes that were working through the pandemic in these buildings didn't get the assistance that they needed from our town. That's going to stop once I'm elected. So uh, you brought up a very big point because school choice, private schools, whether or not it's the in Rockville Center or the yeshivas in Oceanside, the five towns, Merrick, uh, Long Beach, those areas that you are involved in, there are so many parents of private school students, and they would be shocked to hear this, especially because this has you know, been something that I've been hearing that we've had, and now this I first learned this from uh, doing research for this interview. I cannot believe that yeshivas were not treated right. And I guess that also goes, uh, it overlaps, I guess, into some of the shul schools as well. That's right. There was no, no federal cares money were given to, to private schools or religious schools, Catholic schools, yeshivas, Hebrew schools, any of those. So we all three do have something in common. We are all three members of Chabad's, all different ones too. So just from this discussion, we actually circle through uh, District 4 very well. Uh, tell us a little bit because it's no secret that Laura Curran's opponent is Jewish. And uh, a lot of the areas that we have discussed within the district are Jewish. Tell us how the Jewish vote should go in November. Start with you, Jason. I, I think the Jewish vote should come with us, not because we're Jewish candidates, but because our ideas are better. And I think that, you know, Republicans tend to run on fear and making people nervous and afraid. 
um, and while we're running on actually being in the community. It's we are substance over style. So, for example, I'm, I'm a member of the Chabad of Hewlett, and Don Clavin is aware of that and showed up and gave my rabbi, Rabbi Tenenboim, a citation. Um, and, you know, had it in, in the press that he gave the Chabad of Hewlett a citation. That morning, I was personally wrapping tefillin with Rabbi Tenenboim. So what's more significant to the community, being there and worshiping next to the man or showing up to do a photo op? And we're the party of substance. They're the party of photo ops. And I think the more people learn about our ideas, um, I, I think we're going to be the clear choice. And I'm very proud of our slate. Aaron, tell us your story. Uh, actually, it, it so happens that my bar mitzvah party was at a, a Chabad house. It was the first time I ever dove in Nisach's Fard myself. Uh, my cousins are Chabad. All of my children went to Chabad nursery. And when we're talking about, you know, um, you know, private schools and, uh, and Jewish programs functioning during Chabad, I've got to say Chabad of Oceanside was able to open their camp as a trial run last summer safely without any episodes and prepared for an entire school season without a hitch because they did it themselves. So, you know, I would hope that by this point, they certainly know me well enough uh, to understand why I'm running and why I'm not. Um, again, not because I'm Jewish, not because my cousins are Chabad, um, not even because I once upon a time had my bar mitzvah at a, at a Chabad house, but because this is what we are. This is what we stand for. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, it's pro promotion versus substance. And uh, I couldn't agree more. Uh, Jason, if somebody came up to you and asked you in a couple of sentences, your top three issues you want to work on, like the when you're elected, what would they be? Yeah, again, we touched on that a little earlier, but certainly number one, um, in no particular order, first is the, the transparency. And uh, right now our government, our town government does act in secrecy. And I think that people don't know where their money is being spent. And we're going to we're going to put the town checkbook online and we're going to make sure that resolutions are the contracts that we're voting on are attached to the resolution. So, you know, what's happening. Um, I intend to have literally open office hours one day a week where people can freely come in and chat. Um, we're going to have just an open and transparent government because light is the best antiseptic. And when things aren't clean, you shed light on them and nothing cleans it up better. Um, I don't have any relatives that work for the town. I don't get any money from town employees. I don't get any money from town contractors. Um, uh, I guarantee you, Mr. Clavin will not commit to refusing money from town contractors and vendors and town employees where I have refused to accept money from town contractors and vendors or town employees. Um, I guarantee you that Mr. if you look where Mr. Clavin's money comes from, it's not from just the small businesses and the rank and file citizens of this town. And for me, it is. Uh, again, I think the other big priorities are, are to work day and night thinking about our families and our small businesses and how to provide better services for less money by driving out the waste and the patronage. And we, we are going to do that. It's going to happen. They say that you're going to have a tough race because of finances. Tell us if that's going to be a burden for you. Um, actually, I'm very proud. We just had our, our filing was announced this week. Um, I raised more than double 
what any other Democratic challenger has ever raised for a Democratic supervisor race. And uh, we raised over $100,000 for our first filing period. And again, no one has ever raised half of that in this small amount of time. And while I'd like to pat myself on the back and say it's because I'm so wonderful, uh, the reality is it's frustration with the current town government. Again, my donors are small businesses in this town and individuals and families that, that see that they're not getting a fair and equitable deal from this government because they're not Republicans and they're not political insiders, um, you know, to, to, the, to, the, to the town of Hempstead Republican machine. So I'm very proud of who our donors are and what they are. And um, although Mr. Clavin's filing isn't, I haven't seen it yet, um, I'm quite certain that it's going to be, um, again, political insiders, town employees, and vendors. And ours are not, and we won't even take it from them. I would like to add one other thing, Cindy, and the, the, the party is very much behind us. Um, we have a coordinated campaign this year. Um, coming from the current campaign all the way down through our Nassau County legislature to our town slate. We're all working very closely together and the party is very much behind uh, our town slate and committed to, to changing the town of Hempstead government and the money is going to be there. Well, how's your relationship? I guess a lot of people are looking besides Laura. The other big race everybody of course is watching is the district attorney and Todd Kaminsky and he pulled in almost $2 million, if I'm not mistaken. He did. He did. He has over $2 million in his war chest. Um, he's an incredible person. I've known Todd personally for many years. I consider him a friend. Um, he has incredible values. He was actually trained as a Queens County District Attorney by the outgoing District Attorney, Madeline Singus. Um, he's, you know, he worked in the U.S. Attorney's Office. He has a DA background. He has a law enforcement background. And um, and it's not an accident that the Republicans haven't announced who his opposition is as of yet, because there just is no one that can match his ability, experience, his moral, his moral compass and attitude. And he's a Todd is just such a tremendous asset to our ticket. And and I really look forward to campaigning with him. And we've already started and I'm enjoying every second of it. By the time this airs, there will be somebody announced. Probably. I'm sorry. Aaron, do you have something you want to add? Well, uh, I certainly don't know him as well as, <laughs> as Jason does. Um, you know, I don't think being Facebook friends is really uh, something to brag about. I'm, I'm not that generation. Um, but, you know, I, I can certainly echo what, what Jason has said. Um, you know, and certainly meeting him at, uh, at a couple of events has, uh, has underscored that for me as well. Absolutely. I do. I do hope that I get a robocall from his uncle again. I, I really enjoyed that the first time he ran for office. Uh, I have to say it's the only robocall I liked ever. And that was Mel Brooks. Uh, one last question for both of you, because we are uh, going to be heard uh, on a Jewish network. We are all Jewish. We are running with a lot of Jews here. And I think the Jews in this particular case are going to make the difference in this vote. So, there is an unbelievable rise of anti-Semitism all over the world, all over New York and on Long Island. I'm going to start with you, Aaron, as legislator. What are you going to do to combat anti-Semitism? Well, the, the, the first thing is education. People need to understand what it is 
and how to counteract it. That's why I was one of the 350 academics who signed the petition uh, urging basically everyone to uh, adopt the IHRA definition of anti-Semitism, because in, in too many circles, we're seeing it being accepted certain kinds of anti-Semitism and it's insidious. It seeps in and then it erupts. And that's really what we're facing. You know, as, as Jews, we have a target on our backs that you could argue we've never really had in the United States before. Um, you know, unless uh, there are a couple of historical incidents you can point to, but we really are facing a challenge and education is the first step of that. The second step is, yeah, is government being very clear about what is and is not tolerable that you know, you can't simply act um, anti-Semitic where you wouldn't act, um, you know, racist or, or bigoted in any other context. There's no free pass. And that has to start with every level of government and not not a resolution, not a photo op, real commitment. And that means feet on the ground. It means going. It means speaking to, to police and law enforcement, monitoring, speaking with them. What are they doing? How are they educating the public? How are the schools educating? You know, this is something that has to be a sustained commitment across the board and not just limited to anti-Semitism either. But that definitely has to be a core component. Absolutely. I'm going to let Jason close up with this and his closing remarks uh, as the uh, second in command in the town, you know, first of town of Hempstead, second Nassau County in this area. So, Jason, tell us what you would like to do on anti-Semitism and then give us some closing thoughts, please. You know, certainly anti-Semitism is 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 just the root of a great amount of problems. And the rise of it is scary and alarming. And I think you have to not be afraid to call it out when it exists. You have to not be afraid to and be aggressive about rooting it out, identifying it and opposing it and standing up to it. Um, you know, the, the, the First Amendment is a tricky thing, right? It's, it's advanced citizenship. And, you know, you have to defend with with all of your might um, when people say things that are just ugly and repugnant to you. And and I think that is our responsibility as leaders in the community to lead by stopping all hate. And, you know, one of one of my big commitments to this town is going to be a quality of service. So whatever your religion or color, or race or creed or sexual orientation, you will be respected. You will get an equal shake. You will get equal services and we're going to bring fairness to this government. Where can people reach out to your campaigns? I'll just start with just tell us the website and your social media, Aaron, and then we'll go to Jason. Sure. Well, um, you know, if you search Meyer for Hempstead Town Council, uh, that would be the number four. Uh, I'm very active on Facebook. Um, and I am now on Instagram, courtesy of my wife, who actually understands it. Um, and I can be reached uh, via Gmail at any time at, at again, Meyer4, that would be the number four, Hempstead Town Council at Gmail. Um, but a simple Google search, you'll, you'll find me. Thank you. Jason? Uh, yeah, my social media is all Jason4 Supervisor, but not the number four spelled out, Jason FOR Supervisor. And I'm on Facebook, Instagram, uh, you know, all the social media platforms, and uh, my website is there as well. Any upcoming events that uh, our listeners can see you at? Um, you know, again, this is airing kind of on a Sunday. Those events happen during the week. I know we're, we're speaking with a, uh, a group of differently abled individuals on a Zoom tomorrow, but I believe that's before you air. 
And um, and certainly going forward, we're going to be announcing where we are. We're going to be at concerts and parks and we're knocking on doors in every area of this town. I've personally knocked on hundreds of doors already. Um, and and we're going to be in every corner of the town uh, telling people our ideas and earning their votes by showing them our ideas are better. Any last sentence quickly. You get 60 seconds, Jason, because Aaron <laughs> opened it. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Cindy. So first of all, thank you again for having us on the show. Um, again, I would really love the public to take some opportunity to get to know us, watch us on social media, watch the substance behind us. Uh, again, we have a slate that we're very proud of. We've been boots on the ground. Um, we haven't just been politicians trying to stay in office. We serve our community. Our town clerk candidate, Alina Nix, um, she literally runs in burning buildings for us. She's a volunteer firefighter. She's on Planned Parenthood. She's on the board of her school board. Um, again, we do have a, a, a slate that cares about your community. None of us have any relatives in government or politicians. And we're here to work for you. I've never been a politician before. I don't think I'm going to ever be a politician again. I want to kind of root out what's going on in this town and serve the people and move back on to my private life. And I look forward to doing that. Well, Jason and Aaron, thank you so much for this special episode of Cindy's Political Corner. Boy, an hour went by so fast. Okay. Hey, everyone. This is Sean Kanan, and I'm hanging out with Cindy Gross on Cindy's Celebrity Corner at 620 a.m. If you're not watching, then your karate's a joke. Welcome back to this very special episode of Cindy's Political Corner. I am your host, Cindy Gross, and I'm very proud to have this show being aired on 620 AM, 1640 AM, 93.5 FM, and downloaded anytime, anywhere through iHeartRadio, iTunes, Apple, and Google Podcast, Spotify, and many other media outlets. Wasn't that a great conversation? I learned in the conversation so much about these two candidates. And I hope you realize that it is very important to learn about your local candidates and their campaigns because ultimately they affect you the most. This show was brought to you by the campaigns and does not reflect the views of the station. We will be hosting many more shows like this as we, as we head to November from all parties and from all levels of local government. Again, this is your host, Cindy Gross, Cindy's Political Corner. I look forward to seeing you very soon, and thank you for joining us.